It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. In this episode, we are joined by Becky Andrews, who is a woman that, based on what I can tell from her Instagram feed and other things that I've read about her, is a woman constantly on the move. Among many things in her life, she is a therapist and has completed some pretty amazing athletic endeavors and is uh, getting ready to complete yet another. So I want to visit with her about that. And she has also written her memoir, which for listeners of this podcast probably know by now is something that I am um, attempting to do myself. So I'm always looking for tips and uh, inspiration for my endeavor on that also. Hey, Becky Andrews, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. I've uh, heard you describe yourself as a busy, active woman who just happens to be blind or visually impaired. Is that how you describe yourself? <laughs> um, that, I'll go with that description. Yes. <laughs> well, you are definitely busy and active, and I want to talk to you about those things, too. I've seen some pretty adventurous uh, pictures of you as I bumped into you. I think it was on Instagram. But uh, before we get into that, I want to talk about your visual impairment. You have retinitis pigmentosa. That's uh, right. I'm interested in uh, your journey with RP. When did that start? I was actually diagnosed when I was 18. I went in for a, um, actually an exam with a neurologist because my fingers were going numb. And he put his fingers out to the side and at, you know, asked me how many fingers he was holding up, and I, I didn't. No, I didn't realize about um, peripheral vision. And so was, you know, visually diagnosed at that point. And it, it really answered some questions for me as far as, oh, that makes sense why um, I couldn't see the stars, why, why I was tripping over things or didn't see someone on the, on the side. So at that point... You know, with retinitis pigmentosa, you generally, your peripheral vision starts to close in. And so um, mine was perhaps, you know, 30 degrees at that point. Oh, 30 degrees is still pretty slim there. I mean, pretty that's, slim. You're yeah. talking about the degrees that the full range would be like 180 degrees, right? From right. side to side. Yeah. So it, it answered, I mean, at first it was like, oh, okay, this this answers a lot of questions. I, I get this. I remember, you know, going to a dance and telling a guy at the point, now he's my husband at the point, he was a good friend and just being like, okay, I've got a name for this, you know, retinitis pigmentosa. And, and, you know, then after it was like, oh, this means I'm going to continue to lose my eyesight. But initially it, it felt like it answered some questions at around age 19 you said that's about the diagnosis time for you right yeah and growing up you just kind of thought that i mean if you if you look back when when did you really in with hindsight notice that things were different you know probably in high school i mean my mom i remember going to the ophthalmologist a lot i think my my parents had that sense something's not quite right. They knew I wasn't seeing well at night. Um, but to actually get a diagnosis, they weren't getting 
any answers and I was still seeing, you know, straight on. I was still had 2020 vision. And so it really, it really wasn't until I was about in high school that it felt like, gosh, some, you know, I feel like I'm missing things. I'm not seeing everything that's around. And after having the diagnosis and maybe making some sense of things, did, did life seem to get easier or at least maybe easier to adapt or manage with the vision loss? You know, I think it was a combination. Like there was that part, oh, okay, there's some new paths I'm going to be taking and learning about. But also, yeah, this this sense of um, truth or awareness. Okay, this, you know, I'm not clumsy. I'm just visually impaired and need to find some tools that can help with that. Because I think before my diagnosis, I put it on me and I thought, what am I missing? What am I not, what am I not doing to um, be aware of that? So it did, it, you know, it opened, it opened the doors too of the resources that are out there that are available to me. Um, And then it was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit later down the road when it was like, oh, okay, there's some adjustments. I, I was driving. I needed to stop driving um, and, you know, continued to lose more vision that I needed to adjust to. But having that diagnosis and understanding it was overall help, you know, helpful. Yeah. Was driving difficult to, to give up? Boy, I still think that's, that's the, that's a challenging, you know, if you're used to that or used to you know, hopping in the car and going where we want to go. And that was a loss to me, definitely. Yeah, that that was a tough one for me. Yeah. So you went through that similar yeah. timing. Yeah, I was yeah. I was age 19 also. Yeah, actually. So mm. um, the the driving thing, I mean, there's a lot of things that are tough about, <laughs> yeah, about, right. about that. But the um, the autonomy of just like, kind of like you said, you want to go do this over there. You grab your keys, you get in the car and you go do that over there. You know, it's right. It's something that is, uh, I would, I would guess, including myself, most people take for granted, um, the, the, the privilege of driving and it's, um, yeah, until that is gone for whatever reason it may be, it's certainly something that I took for granted, but it's, it's, um, you know, with technology and things today, it's becoming easier, but it's never going to be the same. Right. Yeah. You learn to adjust and you find the options and plan B and plan C, you know, yeah, but I you, think it's- which, which is just, it's just brain power. You didn't exude before because you just right. go and now yeah. you've got to get so many other people or places involved in your little trip you want to take that right that uh weren't so you just got to look at those as opportunities to you know bond with other people or go other places that you wouldn't necessarily have done but don't you find that that i mean i yeah i would love to just hop in the car and and go i find that that mindset that it helped me create you know that that resourcefulness and okay, let's find a way and get creative 
has definitely been something that that has helped in other areas of my life now too to you know i think that creates that okay i got to think outside the box i got to get creative on how i'm going to get to from point a to point b and so you start utilizing that in other areas of your life too yeah i think that helps um yeah. the, the 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 creativeness the adaptivity for just really mundane and ordinary things that are necessary i think can can make other elements of life um <laughs> better too I th- the word you used i think is find the way or the phrase you used um, yeah and i think that's uh you may consider that a mantra of yours and that is a, a mantra of mine as well and, and i think a lot of people with with different abilities can can relate to that right i agree and a, a word that you may easily get to when you're in the find a way or let's make something happen. Let's do this is, uh, you, you, you could say the word resilience, um, is not too far down the road from, from those types of mindsets. And I've, that, that's a word that I associate with you, um, is resilience and kind of when I found you, um, part of the reason is because I, you're a therapist among right. many other things in your life, but your practice is called uh, resilient solutions. What, what do you guys do there and how much of that is geared towards the vision impaired community or just disability community in general? Sure. Like when I was, you know, in my master's program, um, boy, many, 20 years ago. Oh, come that- on, Becky. I thought you were like 26. I thought <laughs> this just right. happened. You start, about- you start saying <laughs> timing and it's like, well, let's see when I, I started young. Right. But um, that, that word was being used so much and i felt like it it just resonated with me that um that ability to you know be stretched and pulled and be challenged and and how we learn and grow and get creative through that process and um when i was you know getting to be at that space of what do i want my private practice what name resonates with me. Um, resilience was, I knew that needed to be in the name. And I remember um, at the time I started my practice with one other therapist and it was a Friday night and we were brainstorming on what other, what other words should we add with that? And, um, came up with solutions. And, and um, I like that because I feel like I'm, as a therapist, I, I think the strength of individuals is truly inspiring, empowering, and that we, we come up with our solutions, that as we're resilient, we find solutions, we find a way that, that is our way, that works for us. And so um, that name to me represented um, really honoring a client's strength and their empowerment and and their ability to find a way that worked that works for them, you know, to to heal, to grow, to navigate their challenging experience. So I started with me and a colleague, and um, we have grown to, we have 18 therapists in our office that see clients from, you know, young kids to, um, seniors, um, 
working with grief, loss, you know, anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, relationship issues, you know, just, just creating this safe place for people to come and, you know, feel, feel supported in their journey and their healing journey. So I'm really grateful to, you know, to be a part of, to be a part of that. I feel like the, uh, you in particular are, are pretty well equipped for those types of discussions. Um, you know, when I think of a therapist, generally, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're well trained and versed and, and all your schooling and things like that are necessary to do that. But for people that have, you know, lived, lived that or, or been resilient or adapted to all the things that, that someone with vision loss or things would, would, would adapt to, I feel like that really probably makes what, what you do even even more impactful for the the types of people that you talk to. Is that, is that does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like for a while I had to really push my push through and um, prove myself, and soon I recognized that the challenges that I had experienced and the growth that that could be a you know a positive that that clients would see that. Um, as as someone that hopefully was resilient and and even though um, my journey is not their journey that I can you know hold hold space for that and um, support them and 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 recognize recognize that that the you know the power of resilience and 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 it's interesting because I. I, I joke that I'm an open book. I I wrote I wrote a book, my memoir, so I have this kind of what can be a unique um, situation where sometimes clients come in and they've read my story. You know, they've they, they, they know more about you than than probably most right, people do. Than, yeah, than normally it's like, and normally you know you don't necessarily disclose. You know, a therapist isn't there to share their their story, but, but they, they sometimes have that background, um, you know, to know who I am and to know, to know my journey a little bit, which is actually, um, I think has been helpful. It hasn't taken away from, I'm there to support them in their journey and how I can help them. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your memoir while we're on the topic. Uh, it's called Look Up, Move Forward. Right. Yeah. And just for what it's worth, there'll be a link to that in the show notes of the podcast if anybody's interested in checking that out. I have, um, I'm through about chapter three or so of the book thus far. So I, I'm only just begun. Um, so I'm not, I can't really speak too authoritatively about it just yet. But what, what do we learn in, um, in your, in your memoir? <laughs> it's interesting, right? Cause I, I, I had this just, desire I kept telling my husband I feel like I need to write a book and then I would have that point what are you know who do you think you are what are you writing a what are you writing a book for and I just I just kept coming back to perhaps my journey perhaps you know we we each have such a powerful 
story, you know, and that I felt like maybe my sharing, if my story helps somebody, one person, then it's worth it. You know, if my, my learning and growing experiences maybe help somebody else, then, you know, then I would, would love to do that. And so I, I think if I were to summarize it, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody who had, who was blind before I got that diagnosis. You know, I could, I could kind of refer back to a few people that I had listened to speak or something, but I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, people that I knew. And so I, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know, so I, I had a lot of learning, um, to do about technology, about all, all the things that I realized I, I could do. And so, um, certainly running, running a marathon was not originally on my list of, okay, well, you'll, you know, you'll be able to do that. So I, I wanted to, to share that journey about how I went from just kind of not, not knowing what, what the future looked like to realizing that, okay, you can, you know, you can do what you want to do. You can find a way to make that happen. Yeah. I can relate totally to your, to your, um, wanting to tell your story. Cause I'm, I'm in the same boat and I'm, um, I'm in the process of, of putting stuff together for, mm-hmm. for mine as well. I feel like, I feel like I have a, a good story and I feel like people can, can relate to it or, or certainly learn from it in the, in the future. But I also yes. kind of, for me as well, I want my, um, my children and, you know, grandchildren and so on and so forth to understand why there was this really weird, like we have the family tree, right? And here's the one, the branch for John. And it just took this dramatic turn, just really weird and got mm. wild and wacky. And I want them to, you know, understand that, uh, this is why things got, got wild and wacky because, John's wild yeah. and wacky and, and this is what <laughs> happened to him. And so it's at least right. documented so people can kind of understand that. Yeah. That will be so, so worth it to do. You think so? Yes. I mean, the conversations I've had with my family from writing it have been incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping for that as well. And I feel like the, you know, the look up, move forward, there's a, there's a story behind that, um, from a experience with a friend and one of my guide dogs, but I, but I, and I recognized that that was, that was what I had continued to do. Yeah. That, that is kind of an interesting story about how you came up with the name of that. Yeah. I feel like we, we continue, you know, and, um, we continue to do that, to take the pause, need to look up and move forward. And I think, you know, the look up is important because some, you know, sometimes that message, oh, I just got to move forward. And, you know, sometimes it takes some time and for us to take a pause and look at where our life is and what we need to do. And, and so I, I, tr- it was important to me that I shared the, the difficult parts as well as the incredible you know, parts of my journey that for me, it, it was a loss, you know, I, it was, it was adjustment to, um, 
navigate and learn and find my way as a you know woman who was becoming blind and 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 it was important to not just share the you know the victories of awards or crossing the finish line but also you know the journeys and life's like a marathon literally you know that there's the there's times you hit the wall there's times you are going I got this and and the incredible people along the sidelines you know that I think that's that's one thing as I as I wrote the book the people like going back and remembering all these incredible people in my life that that showed up for me you know that were there at different points in my life was was really neat to do was neat to go back and remember them yeah they're they're important and and oftentimes uh, I, my stories start with we um because right. oftentimes it's not just i that are doing things and right you, you, there are so many people involved really for anybody um, but it, in particular people with uh, visual impairment, there's usually other people involved uh, uh, as part of things that we do. And, and it's great to recognize those people and, and not take them for granted because they, they do help a lot. And those are the ones that are, are really there for us. And it's important to recognize and remember that too. Yeah, I agree. And I've talked to so many really fascinating people in this podcast experience here and and as you were going through what you were just saying talking about uh, the victories and standing on the mountain it reminds me of uh, uh, several episodes ago a girl named Jill Wheatley who is a she's a mountain climber now and that's one of the things that that she talked about was you know Mm. you you, you see people standing with their pictures on social media standing at the top of the mountain and with their arms up and celebrating that they they've accomplished something and and that's great and you got to do that but the the really the the story is is in the valley, mm. is 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 getting uh, when they, when they were down there and the climb yes. and all the things that it took to get to that and all the people and the guides and the, and the other things that and the ropes and the harnesses and things that yeah. were all necessary to get to the top of the mountain. And if all you focus on is is the picture at the top, um, again, while that's great and it needs to be celebrated, there's so much. Um, from the from the bottom of the mountain to the top, that um, every step that uh, that made it possible, and it's you, you can't forget about those things. And people need to know about those those parts of the story. Yeah, because I feel like people are in that situation themselves, and they can relate to that. And, and yeah, it makes, it makes them understand that that they can keep going, and that there there is going to be they are going to be standing on that mountaintop someday soon. Right. Yeah. And we're talking about mountaintops and and running. And uh, I mentioned earlier that you're the um, um, what'd you say active uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the active woman, and you are an active woman. Bikes, ma- nine marathons. Did I hear that right? Right. Yeah. That's a lot of marathons. Ten's coming up. New York again. So excited to do that New one. New York again. Yeah. And that's one that you have. You have to qual. You can't just run the New York marathon, right? You know, you qualify. You need to qualify for Boston, um, which I've run that one twice. It's incredible, and um, New York is a application process. Um, I've run it with Achilles International, which is a wonderful, you know, organization for 
athletes with disabilities. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I love to be active and I, I feel like that was something that initially I didn't know how that could happen. Again, be it, you know, not being, um, real aware back in the day, you know? And, um, so, so I, I just love that and appreciate it. I feel like I, you know, I, I feel like it's a real gift to be able to, you know, be out there running, um, running. I run with, um, a tether and a guide. So again, such gratitude for, you know, my, my guides, my good friends, family that that run. Do you train that way as well? I presume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, um, friends that I run with usually four mornings a week. We meet outside my, um, outside our front and, um, they take turns running as my guide, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's, so you have to have friends that like to run too, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, there's amazing organizations that, you know, kind of match you together, but I feel very blessed that I have friends that live just around the corner from me that also love to run. We've run Boston together. We just ran St. George marathon together. So, um, love, you know, love that, um, opportunity to be active. And again, I think it's that finding a way when I wanted to start, um, my husband kind of set up a, a bungee cord type thing at the time. And, you know, we got creative on what that, how that would work. And since then it's more of a, you know, nice tether and everything, but, um, yeah, I love to run, love to um, bike. We have a tandem bike. I've seen you with some pictures on Instagram doing some tandem bike action in some, what looks like some pretty remote areas. And, and maybe they're not really remote, but some some mountainous terrain at least. And yes. it looks like your guys are going pretty fast and pretty far. <laughs> we we love it. And I'm, I feel grateful that Steve, you know, my husband also loves it. So um, we are next year going to go back and finish a dream on, on our bucket list was to bike coast to coast. Wow. We, now that's amazing. <laughs> that amazing. And we had started in March 2020 when um, it got after two weeks, it got shut oh, down. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was quite a, a good time yes. to start. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to f- go back this coming March and, and finish that bucket list item. Now that's and really cool. So where do you start for that? We start in San Diego and you finish in, um, St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Now is that some sort of organized event or is this just something you're doing on your own? It's an, it's with an organized group. Yeah. There will be about 25, 30 riders, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And are there are there other tandems? There, you know, I'm not sure. This one last time there was two other tandem teams okay. on there. So, um, you know, it's such an incredible way to experience an area. You know, cycling 
through and just hearing the sounds and the smells, you know, and just the environment where you're biking on the streets. Yeah. Is, so what kind of pace are you on for that? How long does that take? It will take about, I believe, 50 days. So it's a little bit of a, That's a you time know, commitment and a, time and a commitment. major energy commitment. I mean, Yeah, wow. taking, taking a pause from, you know, our careers, but but we keep going, gosh, you know, we're not, not getting younger. No, we better, we're not. <laughs> better that sounds, embrace it now. That sounds incredible. So yeah. how, have you gone that distance? Well, probably not that distance, but um, is there, how do you train for that? We've done, like we've done consecutive. We've done a week at a time or as, or two weeks at a time. So we'll keep, you know, just, just building our, miles. And do you, you have a support staff with you, like a, a van or a bus or right. do, you, do you stay yes. in, where do you, where do you sleep? Most of it is in campgrounds. Okay. Yeah. Most, most that's, that's, the, that feels like the most challenging part to be honest. Is we're, we're camping out for most of the time and I would prefer hotels but sure, nothing like riding a bike for 200 miles and then uh, laying down on the ground and trying <laughs> to catch some sleep I, that seems seems less than optimal <laughs> yes it will be an adventure i'm sure so that takes you i guess through the southern route across the south right of America, yeah we'll go through texas we'll go through texas yeah right. we'll spend right. quite a bit of time in texas yeah it will take you a while to, to get keep across you posted. Texas. yeah i'm right. in the dallas area so maybe i'll be out there with a high five or a cup of water right. or something. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that's incredible. I mean, that's I, I I feel like that would be so much fun to do because uh, yeah. I'm really into cycling. I mean, not I shouldn't say really into it. I I like and I shouldn't even say cycling. I'm into biking. I like I like to ride my yeah. bike. And um, a lot of times people don't quite understand how somebody that considers himself to be visually impaired or blind can can ride a bike, and that's all part of the ambiguous nature of, of vision right. loss and, and the visual spectrum and all kinds of different things. But man, that seems really interesting to be able to do that. I've, I've talked to another person I've had on the podcast. His name is Kyle Kuhn. As we're talking about this, he's done that. Okay. Um, he was with a team. I don't remember how many there were, but they went oh, from maybe. Relay, from, right? I, I don't, th I think there were. Yeah, maybe relay. Uh, I I can't recall exactly, but they went from California to New York, and I think there were like two or uh, two or three tandem bikes, and there were like six or eight riders, hmm. and they just kind of cycled, literally cycled through um, wow. every day or day off or every two days or whatever. But yeah, they made the made the journey so that's just a different way to do it in, in another Incredible. direction I guess but right. seems really fascinating to me about just how much yeah. energy and and just the exhaustion one of our most recent really neat um, events was we started in Salt Lake and biked to St. George which was like 365 miles and it was a group of six tandem teams so everybody on the the back, the stoker was blind or low vision. We did that in a week's time, and then we arrived to St. George 
and then three of us ran the marathon. Oh my and, goodness. So you <laughs> rode 300 and, miles and then ran a marathon? Yeah. And I think what, what sounded intriguing to me when I said, yeah, we'll do that was, <laughs> was it seemed like, is that possible? Okay. You know, I wondered, can you really, can you really do that? Can you really bike and then run? And that sense of, you know, let's try this. And we, we did, it was, it was such a fun group of people, so much, you know, such a positive experience. And again, one of like kind of cha- a challenge for sure about like, yeah, this is possible. You yeah. can do that. You can bike and run and yeah, that's pretty amazing. And still I, walk. <laughs> yeah, I would say that you are a busy, active woman. Uh, <laughs> just for what it's worth, and the, you know, I mentioned the exhaustion part of that as I'm trying to figure out how that's even possible. But something else that can be exhausting, but equally, actually, even more so rewarding is is parenthood. And uh, you're no stranger to parenthood, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit about about parenthood. I need all kinds of help, just kind of in general with parenthood. Sounds like you're in the busy, yeah. Yeah, we we're we are, yeah, we're busy, and you've kind of been through this, or you have been through this, and I think even as a grandparent now. And yeah. what what advice would you give to a, a parent with young kids, a visually impaired parent, of just about kind of kind of life, living with and 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 raising children with the kind of proper expectations and and the conversations and things that, that, that should be had and, and when those things happen. Because our, our kids are at a pretty young age and we're just kind of kind of working in to, um, to those types of conversations. I, I realized the things I, I worried about, I didn't need to. You know, <laughs> like I, rem- I, I remember, you know, concerned about not the, the complications of not being able to drive and are they missing out on anything. And, um, now I realize I have these remarkable adult children who are caring, compassionate, connected with people as, as we, as they grew up with a mom who was blind, it opened, you know, I think I was, I was concerned about it closing in and limiting him. And what I, what I've realized is it, it really opened up their world and taught them things, their, their power to stretch their, their ability to get creative on finding a ride or us navigating something, um, has transferred in remarkable ways to them as an adults. So I think I would, I would tell my younger self, so to speak, um, you know, be compassionate with yourself and the things you're, you know, that maybe you're feeling or, or, or a concern are, are not going to be from, you know, from, from that perspective. Yeah. Cause I can, I can relate to that. Cause I, I kind of feel, I don't know specifically what it is just yet, but I just have these, this feeling that there's going to be some, some things that I really wish could happen differently, but probably won't. And I just looking, you know, with, with the power of looking backwards at those things that, that you have now, 
I feel like you're, you're, you're saying it's, it's, it's usually not that big of a deal. It, yeah. Cause, but you know, in that moment, I remember kid needs to get to soccer practice and dad's not home yet or something. And you're just, this these moments of feeling a bit helpless. Let's see, who can I, who can I call for us to get a ride or, or different dynamics can, you know, it can feel like a lot, but I realize it, it, it didn't, it was, it was more me feeling that overwhelm or concerned than, than them. Yeah. That's good to know. And it's fun with a little new grandbaby. You know, I find myself kind of re remembering or re stepping back. Okay. Let's see. What's, what's that, what's that skill that helps me, you know, that helped me as a parent intending him as a, you know, that helped me as a blind parent that now can help me as a blind grandma. Yeah, but it's a lot sweeter and easier as a yes. uh, grandma too now, right? <laughs> yes. Because it's kind of like the the aunt or uncle thing where you can you Pure can have joy. all the interaction and and then you just kind of okay, mom, dad, here you go. Right. You know, that's <laughs> absolute joy. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're we're in the joy state as well, but it's not absolute joy at this point. There's still some <laughs> that's right. still some still some other things that have to happen too. Some work that goes into the to getting to the joy of all that. So, all right. right. So it's not as hard or maybe not hard as the word. It's not as uh, daunting or, or, or difficult as I, I may want to think that it, it could be from time to time. Yeah. And they, they, it's, a, it's fascinating to me how they, they become such advocates. You know, I think as a, you know, as a, as a blind person, you learn, you, you become, you, you get put in that, advocating role. And I watched my kids become such advocates, I think, in, you know, in positive ways, how that's helped them. Yeah, I can see where that would be the case. And I, I can see how that would, because uh, they don't know any different, uh, especially right. the younger they are. And all they want is to do whatever it is or be whatever they want to do or, you know, and, and just we got to find a, it does, I can see where it kind of bakes in some resiliency and always having to be, um, you know, maybe not always, but adapting is something they're going to be yeah. better equipped to handle maybe than, than most other children at an earlier age. And I feel like they, they encouraged me to, you know, they were my motivation. Like, okay, I, got, I, I need to get to parent teachers conference. Okay. I, I got to get, further training on a cane or I want to learn to, you know, get a guide dog. I mean, they're being out there for them and being active involved. I feel like they really were a key piece of my motivation to continue to learn and grow and gain the skills I needed as my vision was continuing to deteriorate. They served as a great motivator. You know, I wanted to show up as a mom. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Great motivating factor. And uh, we all need those motivating motivating factors right. in our life, so that's <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Now, did uh, over time, as as you you mentioned your deteriorating vision, uh, your uh, how how has technology played into the last ten to fifteen or so, maybe even twenty years of your hmm. your story? It it's changed so dramatically in the last ten to fifteen years, right? Um, yeah. How, what do you, what do you feel like with this type of technology life would have been like 
maybe, you know, earlier in life? Well, you, th- you think things would be a lot different? I remember, er- you know, being diagnosed and gosh, that's been. It's been a couple many- of years. We'll just leave it. It's been low. a we'll couple just, years. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go with a couple <laughs> years. But, um, you know, someone said, if you can, if you can stay up with technology, <laughs> you know, you'll be okay. And I, I look back on where technology was at that point, you know, I was a student and my books were being read and recorded. My family was jumping in, helping during my schooling and, and, you know, where we're at now was so much available, um, both just audible voiceover, you know, our computers, it, it just makes, you know, so much accessible. I mean, I feel like just what, you know, I'm, there's a continual effort and continual ways that that can be improved upon to make sure that there's that inclusion and that that's given the important thought early on with, with things, but yeah, accessibility is just is just grown with leap, leaps and bounds. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you can even get a T-shirt now or clothing with Braille on it. You know. Right. Uh, that's yeah. something that we have in common. Um, I think you're you're familiar with uh, Alexa over at, uh, or at least you're familiar with iDesign. Right. And Remarkable. I, what? Yeah, it's a great story, and and that's uh, I've seen your picture on Instagram wearing your. Right. And, and you realize the power of um, the conversations that that brings up. Yeah. You just know? awareness and awareness and conversations. And, and, and it, it really does advance the story and advance right. accessibility. To be wearing something that has a message that means something to you in Braille, you know, this makes it beautiful. And I, I was, yeah. t- I was talking with Alexa a few weeks ago on the podcast, in fact. And that's one of the things that we were talking about was just, it's really kind of an intriguing thing, I think, for most people. Of, of course, the people, sighted people would be the ones that, to see it. Um, and, and, and I think those are the people that we want to draw into that conversation um, to become aware of, of, you know, visual impairment and Braille and, and almost even make Braille cool is kind of right. what they're doing in, from a fashion yeah. sense for sure. And it really does, um, it, it really does advance the conversation, which I think is a win for everybody. Right. Absolutely. And I've also heard you talk about some other things that you're passionate about. One of them is is nonprofits, which kind of fits into the conversation here. You've got a group that you started called Daring Sisters. What do you do there? Right. Well, five years ago, I really, I, I had this dream to um, offer a retreat to have a, you know, just have a group of women who are blind, low vision, be able to come together and have some conversations about some really, you know, deep, meaningful stories about daring to own your story is actually what we call them. And so, um, yeah, I put it out there and 10 women came. And what we, what I quickly realized is not only were we having these deep conversations, but, but they were connecting in a powerful way and so we offered another one <laughs> and another one. And we, we combined them with some, you know, challenging activities. We climbed a challenge course. We went for a hike. 
you know, we, we, we showed up and we did some brave activities and in the process, you know, for, formed a nonprofit that is, that is growing, that is reaching more women who are blind and low vision and having this community of shared experiences that can, um, you know, support one another, can show up for each other and, and feel that sense of empowerment, acceptance, inclusion, connection. We've expanded it to yoga, book clubs, writing groups. Sounds like, sounds like you got a whole movement going on there. The yes, various activities. It just like, I was telling somebody about it the other day. And he said, wow, you just lit up as you were describing. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I just, you know, I think sometimes blindness can feel isolating. We feel like we're maybe the only one experiencing this. And so to create a, a community that has this deep shared experience, you know, that, that they've, they've processed things together um is is really is really powerful yeah that's a word i was thinking it seems like there's a, a lot of powerful conversations and yeah and moments that to can, know you're not alone yeah. you know yeah and to own that story yeah. yeah i think it's important to own the story we were, we were talking about that a little before our right. uh, recorded discussion here is owning the story and um and finding a way to make it happen right yeah, we based it on Brene Brown's quote, you know, that when when we deny the story, it defines us. When we own the story, we get to write our brave new ending. Man, that's good. Gosh, yeah. That's how we should have ended the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that That is a great, um, that's a great statement. I do like that. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Well, Becky, where's the best place for us to find you? Uh, I found you on Instagram and, and we'll have links to your social media and websites and stuff in the show notes. So if you just look down in the notes of our discussion here, you'll find them. But just uh, tell us, Becky, what's where's the best place to find what you're doing and, and what's next for, for Becky Andrews and all the wild adventures we should expect? <laughs> sure. So um, yeah, Instagram has been such a neat place to just connect. So simple, Becky Andrews, um, our daring, daring sisters BVI. We post our adventures on a tandem. So we've got three different Instagram spots. My work website is resiliencesolutionsinc.com. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch, Becky. I look forward to seeing pictures of that tandem ride to uh, Florida. That should be entertaining. <laughs> and Thank it'll be, be a lot easier to watch from the sidelines here and, and than being on the bike. But uh good. That's luck to an you. important role. Cheering cheering us on. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind Podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com. 